I've run global businesses, so how hard can it be to just write a book? I still don't really understand how I do it. Okay, well, um, I guess I'll start. My name is Shaz Khan. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. And what I actually have found through this whole process is that writing is, is probably the most difficult job I've done. Not only can you, but you should start late. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Bestseller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Chapter 5, Going to Market. Storytelling has existed for about as long as the human need to tell stories, so for about as long as humans. And the written story has been around for almost that, ever since we figured out how to use our little opposable thumbs to draw shapes and put them into an order. But the novel as we think of it today is actually a much more recent development. Back in the day, there wasn't much of a difference between nonfiction and fiction. Surprisingly accurate historical accounts were sold as riveting dramatic tales, like Shakespeare's Henriad, and then there were books sold as histories that took a wee bit of artistic liberty, like La Morte d'Arthur, Thomas Mallory's supposed true history featuring warlocks, round tables, and a disembodied hand holding a sword. And you rolled your eyes when they said Fargo was based on a true story. But between the 16th and 17th century, the line between historical documents and fictional storytelling became more distinct when the printing press was invented, and along with it, chapbooks, cheaply produced, often illustrated booklets handed out on the street for less than a penny. Think of them as sort of the spiritual successor to the mass market paperback. And then, all of a sudden, there wasn't just a market for epic classical stories worthy of being performed in the Globe Theater for kings and queens. Now, there was a more affordable option, and a new audience for it. The first author to take full advantage of this was a man by the name of Garcia Rodriguez de Montalvo, who adopted a 14th century post-Arthurian so-called history titled Amadeus de Gaula into a 16th century romance. Certain amendments Garcia made to the original text, such as the Latinization of its syntax and the use of the present participle, gave the new printing a low style that appealed more to the masses than to its previous readership, which had mostly been Castilian chancellors and statesmen. And sure enough, soon after it was printed on chapbooks in 1508, Amadeus de Gaula became one of the first ever bestsellers. Garcia knew then what most savvy authors and savvy marketers know today. So much of marketing is about the target audience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're not connecting with your audience, then you're not going to sell your product. And Shaz Kong, of course, is both. Uh, you obviously have a little bit of a background here. Um, did that kind of inform your approach at all? It did. I think, you know, one of the, the key things about having a successful marketing campaign, regardless of what the product is, is that, you know, you have some kind of connection, especially a strong emotional connection with your end customer, your end consumer. You know, kind of knowing 
some of the principles of how to build a successful marketing campaign were definitely advantages for me. The final volume of Amadeus de Gaula was written entirely by Garcia Rodriguez de Montalvo, and it's a far cry from the swashbuckling adventures of the first three adapted volumes. Stylistically solemn and honestly a little bit dull, it's clear that Garcia's expertise wasn't in writing captivating tales, but in selling them to the right reader. Different authors are good at different things. Still, there are some things that are universal when going to the market with your chapbooks, or in this case, your debut self-published novel. First off, the obvious. Create a killer product. Well, at the end of the day, all the marketing you put into it won't really mean anything if the product's not there, right? So I'm sure so much of it was going through this writing process, this editing, the design, getting it to that point where you had something to market. Right. Yeah, I mean, great marketing can't make up for a bad product, so you have to have a good product to start with. But we've covered all that in Chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, so let's move on to the next step. Identifying a target audience, which, as you'll recall from last episode, should be identified well before you create your cover, so it's something you'll want to get a jump on ahead of time. Yeah, so that's exactly right. I started the process after, well, it was kind of towards the end of the design process. There's no one right way to find your audience, but there are plenty of ways to make it a little easier on yourself. The trick with identifying a target audience is to be as specific as possible. You might know your book is science fiction, but is it for tech nerds or Trekkies? Or it might be women's fiction, but is it for homemakers? Or working women. Start by creating a proto-persona for your book. If you've never heard that term before, that's okay, it's completely made up. But it is also literatise for an in-depth description of the perfect reader for your book. This is the one time it's okay to assume someone's age or their interests or their habits or their gender because once you have this proto-persona, this idea of who you want reading your book, it will make it that much easier to ensure that... You know, you have some kind of connection, especially a strong emotional connection with your end customer, your end consumer. What would be your uh, connection with the potential reader of The Closer? Well, uh, one of the key things was that I wanted to bring The Closer to an audience. You know, I I thought probably this book would appeal to working women. Um, The story is about the first female CEO of a sports company and then this um, secret society of women who helped her succeed called The Ceiling Smashers. So, you know, the tone was positive, it was inspirational, it was about strong women, it was about women, you know, helping each other and supporting each other. So I really sat down and thought about it and said, who would be my target and where would they be? And I constructed my marketing plan to um, focus on those target consumers. Then you need to think like your ideal reader. Where do they shop for books? How do they find new titles for their reading list? What's the best way to reach them? Social media, email, or a strongly worded letter? If it's the latter, good luck. That's probably a pretty tough reader to land. But if it's the former, then you're in luck. From Facebook audience insights to Twitter advanced search, there are tons of ways to narrow in on your target audience. And from Facebook advertising to Google AdWords to, well, a lot of other marketing strategies that we'll cover in the next few minutes, there are tons of ways to get your book into your ideal reader's hands. I think what what an author needs to do is figure out who your audience is and do you have you know, any contacts in your network that you can leverage to reach those folks. And maybe then some. 
it's also appealed to working men as well. So, I mean, it has broader appeal than I was expecting. But just like there are universal rules to marketing your book, there are universally exceptions. Remember, different authors are good at different things. And so an approach that worked perfectly for one author may not work at all for the next. I actually did try Amazon ads and I didn't find them to be that effective. Um, so, you know, I might try them again, but I did do kind of A-B testing and I, I really didn't see a big difference. Fortunately, as anyone who's followed this podcast from the beginning surely knows by now, Shaz Kong is nothing if not thorough. And that is particularly true when it comes to her home turf. So let's take a look at what worked for Shaz in the marketing process and what didn't. Starting naturally with the latter. Uh, I did make, you know, I had a couple of, couple of kind of fits and starts along the way and I think I did some things in the way that traditional books are, are marketed and I actually found that those were not as effective for me. If you opt to go the traditional publishing route, the marketing processes become a lot more straightforward. Sign a book deal and all of a sudden you have a team of professionals paid to market your book for you. Of course, it's not always that straightforward. Unless you're one of the top 10 authors, you know, in the country, you pretty much get no marketing support so, from a traditional publisher. And even the tried and true practices of marketing a book in the traditional way aren't a perfect fit for every author. I mentioned earlier I did a couple of um, events that were more in the traditional book publishing realm. So I did some uh, events at bookstores and I actually didn't find that to be that effective because uh, you know, you're basically at the mercy of whatever customers decide to come to that bookstore event at that particular day, that particular time. And I didn't find a ton of my target customers in those um, events. Now, there are some ways to reach a happy medium. If trade publishing isn't right for you, but the process of marketing your book all by yourself seems a little bit too daunting. And I also hired a, a book um, PR firm to help me. Hiring a book publicist or PR firm can cost from $3,000 to upwards of $30,000, so that might seem a little daunting too. To be sure, it's not the first approach most self-published authors take, and many don't take it at all, but there are some upsides. I mean, it is the rough equivalent to hiring the marketing department of a publishing house without having to worry about an actual publisher. I actually, um, I ended up, uh, I had basically a two-pronged approach. So I had my entire marketing plan, I shared the marketing plan with the PR firm. And uh, basically, we kind of divided and conquered, and they said these are the things that we can um, we can go after and accomplish for you. And then, then meanwhile, I just thought, you know, I'm not going to sit here. So I, I had a bunch of other things that I was going to do. First of all, it can be roughly equivalent to hiring the marketing department of a publishing house without having to worry about an actual publisher. You know, there are there are quite a few PR firms that specialize specifically in books. Um, so, or in authors, um, so I think you have to have a PR firm that specializes in, you know, in, you know, getting authors well, well, to be well known and to be recognized. They can also gently open doorways for you that may otherwise need a good kicking in. Because they're the ones that have the connections with the, you know, either the bloggers or the people who are doing the podcasts and, you know, they can make it a lot easier. And if you know what you're doing, they can even be cost effective. What I would recommend is tell them you want to do a pre-launch. So they might do a couple of weeks of work 
send the book out to different magazines and things like that and then just shut off the PR you know activity until you're ready to actually you know just before your launch and then just before your launch turn it back on again that that would be the most cost effective but hiring a PR firm also means once again placing the fate of your book into someone else's hands and well five chapters in we all know how that can go I was a little disappointed because I during the sales process the owner spoke with me and she said you know I'll be involved in the launch of your book and then as soon as I signed the contract I really didn't hear from her again so uh and then they had put a, a more junior person on my um, team which is fine but you know uh she had sent out a mailer to the media with my book and some promotional gift items and with a card and you know that explained my book and there were you know typos and grammatical errors on the card I'm starting to feel like a broken record here, but it always bears repeating. For authors who want the final say on how their story is written, released, and perceived, the best option is to handle things yourself. And this is, you know, my brand, so I was really unhappy. So, once again, having followed the traditional publishing approach all the way to a dead end, Shaz found herself in the position of having to take matters into her own hands. I am of the ilk where I just say, oh, you know, I'll just call this person and, you know, the worst they can do is say no. So I have no problem, you know, trying something and getting turned down and, and it's okay. As a former Nike executive and activewear CEO with extensive experience marketing heterogeneous consumer products, that is, products reliant on a brand or image to attract consumers, Shaz Kong was better positioned through her experience and budget than the average author when it came to handle the marketing process on her own. But of course, that experience doesn't translate perfectly across industries. But what are some of the, the differences between uh, marketing consumer products versus, you know, marketing a novel like this? Uh, I think, well, budget, number one. <laughs> you know, when I was with, when I was a senior executive at Nike and they have, you know, like a couple billion dollars that's with a B, you know, to spend on marketing and, you know, uh, but I've also worked for smaller companies where you have to be a little more scrappy. So I, I know how to get attention for things. Um, and be efficient with the dollars that I spent. The difference also between marketing a consumer product and a, uh, a book is that you know, with consumer product, you already have an established distribution channel like retail stores. You have an established customer base and you have a product or a brand that generally people know. Um, and if it's a new product, you know, they might be familiar with the brand, but they're like, okay, you know, I'll try this new, you know, Nike shoe or whatever. But I think with, with a self-published author, you know, publishing a book, you're an unknown brand, an unknown author, it's an unknown product, and the distribution system is a little bit more complex. Um, so there are definitely more challenges, I would say, in, in launching a book. Uh, but, you know, I mean, when you're marketing your book, you just have to figure out, you know, creative ways to connect with your audience. Fortunately, you, the listener, are in the perfect position to one last time learn from Shaz's creative ways to connect with an audience and to learn from her mistakes without having to make them yourself. And to be sure, Shaz is always the first to point out where she went wrong from the time she started planning her marketing process. I think I would start the process earlier. I would say I would start the design process while I was doing the editing process. I think that way those two things can run in tandem. You really have to start your marketing about I mean, ideally four to six months before you're published, 
because um, you need some lead time. If you want to get into any of the long lead magazines or, you know, um, or, you know, have your book reviewed and, and get quotes to be to put on your cover before you launch it, you know, you have to do all of that work before you publish. To the work that she did pre-launch. You know, in retrospect, it would have been good if I could have, you know, maybe released the first chapter. I didn't have a website at the time either. So I was building my website um, prior to the launch. And my le- my website actually went live just, uh, it was probably like right around the time of the launch or slightly thereafter. So I probably would have done the website well in advance. To the changes she made post-launch that she, in hindsight, would have done sooner. Something that I did post-publishing that I'd also recommend readers do is to have a, a like a, a book discussion guide. Uh, and I didn't include that until my latest edition. But if you can think through it and add it onto your book before you publish, um, I think that's just a nice little tool that um, book clubs can use to gain interest and in, in, uh, continue the discussion around your book. Probably as a next step, I need to probably update on my website is just, you know, questions from, um, from readers that I can respond to. In all my conversations with Shaz, as she walked me through every twist and turn on her journey to publication, she was quick to identify which turn she shouldn't have taken and what she'd do differently her next time around. But even when discussing her mistakes, I never got the impression that she had any regrets. I did leverage social media, probably not as much as I should have, um, but uh, you know, I think there are different things that different 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 authors are good at different things. And for me, I wasn't sure how much the social media aspect would come into play. Maybe that was simply because no matter how she got there, at the end of the day, she found an approach that worked. One of the things I was looking at was what are the best times to release a book? And I had already missed the beginning of the summer and I didn't want to get too close into like October, kind of end of September, October was when a lot of, you know, traditionally published books then hit the market. And, you know, I didn't think I would be able to get as much coverage. So I was trying to aim for early September. And, um, and in order to make that launch date, um, I, I wasn't able to do some of the pre-launch work. So what was the pre-launch work that you did? I mean, I basically put together an email campaign and um, I did a countdown to the publishing date and I, you know, kind of do little snippets of, you know, here's what's coming. I think the biggest thing for me was uh, doing interviews. I did a lot of magazine interviews. I did a lot of podcast interviews. I did a lot of radio interviews. And I also reached out to corporate women's groups like, you know, business schools and um, groups of business women. I think that was really effective. I did a lot of speaking engagements. I, I leveraged my school networks, and um, that was also extremely positive. And then what was the post-launch work that you did as well? So I did do an email campaign. I did do product seeding, and I think the seeding was um, particularly effective. And what is product seeding, you might ask? So I looked at, you know, who are some women leaders and, you know, female CEOs and, you know, women influencers out there. And I made a list and I said to the PR firm, I'd like you to get my book to these folks. And, you know, for people that they were like, oh, I'm not sure we can get get to them. I figured out a way myself to get my book to those folks. 
Distribution of advanced review copies, or ARCs, can be a huge asset in determining how your target audience responds to your book. They can be used to increase exposure, generate Amazon or Goodreads reviews prior to the release of your book, or simply get the word-of-mouth ball rolling. So I've had a lot of women who were in book clubs and they said, oh, I recommended your book for the book club and everybody loved it. And so also on my website, there's a little thing where if people want to have a Skype discussion with me and I can come and visit their book club virtually, I offer to do that. Um, and, you know, I've had a lot of people send me questions about, you know, oh, what, why, did, why did you choose to you know, do this in the book? Um, one of the things I also did was I printed up little author cards. So they're like tiny miniature versions of the cover of my book. And on the back, it said author and it said Shaz Kong. And uh, I had my, I think I had my website address and my email. And, you know, I would meet people on airplanes and they'd say, oh, you know, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm an executive in retail, but I also wrote this book. And then they would say, oh, my wife would be interested in reading that. And I'd give them a card. Or if I was at a cocktail party and people, you know, somebody would say, oh, did you know Shaz wrote a book? And then somebody would say, oh, that sounds so interesting. How do I, you know, find it? And I'd give them a card. And actually, some of the people that I've just done business with, they said, can you give me a stack of your, your author cards? Because I want to, you know, give them to people and tell them about the book. So, you know, you can really, I mean, you can use your, your friends and your family and people that you work with and, you know, just ask them to help you out. So I think, you know, all of that gives you more exposure. And, and if you're you know, trying to connect your audience with your book, I think, you know, making sure that you're getting opportunities like that and taking, taking advantage of opportunities like that. Through a combination of learning from mistakes, learned business savvy, and a healthy dose of unique life experience, Shaz found an approach that worked for her. From Garcia Rodriguez de Montalvo to Shaz Kong, different authors are good at different things. So the most important thing for any aspiring author is to figure out what approach works for you. The key thing is that you need to get people to try the book you know, try, it's like trying a new product. So the marketing gives you exposure. The marketing, I think, was really successful in helping me gain a broad, broader exposure to my target audience. Um, so I'm really pleased with that. Um, but, you know, in the end, I think a lot of it is word of mouth. But, of course, your books are all going to the same market, so to speak. And the core of Shaz's journey will be the same for any first-time novelist. Um, and how would you suggest to someone who doesn't have that background or that kind of budget, you know, what is like the main approaches that just your, you know, average author could could take? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you really need to just figure out, you know, how can you create a hook? And, you know, one of the things that I think is important is when you're, when an author is talking about their book, even, you know, if you're just, you know, uh, they call it like the elevator pitch. If you're in an elevator, you've got 20 seconds to tell somebody about your book and why it's compelling, why they should read it. You know, what is that, you know, one or two sentence thing that you can say and get people excited? Never lose sight of your story as you want to tell it. Never lose sight of who you want to tell it to. And never, ever be afraid to ask for help. I, I think people are generally really happy to help, so I think you just have to reach out to people. Brought to you by Reedsy, this is Best Seller. 
Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn a collection of ideas in your head into a published book. Last up is our epilogue. What is an epilogue? If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, a review, a subscription, or all of the above on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you are in that 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts protection and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelance editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com slash loves slash podcast to get $25 credit when you sign up and set a contract. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com slash L-O-V-E-S slash podcast to get $25 off your first collaboration today. Offer valid through January 2019.